But as for you, O man, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode number 39. Just the two of us again. We've been having so many guests lately. Yeah. It's uh, it's I, your beta host, Jeremy Boyd. And I'm Alex. Yeah. Actually, the topic of, of a discussion tonight is uh, directly related to my title here at the Dominion <laughs> Podcast. It's come to the attention of some that I have a problem with beta maleness. So... <laughs> We've been tossing around an idea for a while of just talking about manhood, masculinity, that yeah. sort of thing. So um, we're tentatively titling this uh, episode, Mortifying Your Inner Beta Male. That's great. So hopefully Owen we'll would that. love it. He would. He uh, would. That's a very Puritan title. It is. Except it would probably have a subtitle that was t- twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is wild. I don't know if it, it what era it was, but there was a time when book titles and stuff were like it was honestly like a paragraph, a paragraph. Yeah. it was like it here's, was like a, here's a description yeah you're they're almost giving you the the synopsis right and um um a discourse on yeah basically <laughs> yeah something like that and the sentences are long too like when you read their writing yes you get those pauline sentences with 10 clauses yeah. and if then and this and all that stuff still good to read but uh mm-hmm. can be a little trying if you're not used to storing 10 clauses in your head before you get to the uh the end of the sentence. Yeah. Yeah, so we yeah. we thought we would uh talk about something I w- I, w- I was going to say geared towards the men more, but that's not actually true because it is the concern of both men and women. Mm-hmm. Um and it affects both men and women. Oh yeah. Whether or not men will reflect uh the image of God that they've been given and um, created in. And when we talk about a beta male, uh, we're talking about someone who does not live up to the identity that God has given them. Right. And we got to make a distinction here because the world would use that term mm-hmm. in all sorts of different ways. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily want to identify with the way the world would use that mm-hmm. term, but we want to be able to define that. Yeah. And so, I like that, uh, not living up to the creational order, I guess. Yeah. 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 And so the, the, the question is, what is what is the creation order? And what is the design of man? And um, I read a really good, a short little book you can get for free at Desiring God. I think it's called Design for Joy. And um, there's a chapter on masculinity, and he's, he, he basically says... Biblical manhood is both the fact of being a man and the act of living that out. And um, did uh, Piper write that? Or no, I think from he designer? did for. No, it's a bunch of other people. Okay, it's an edited work, and that's good. You know, being a a biblical man is not less than your biology, but it is more. It's it's living out of um, the biblical identity of of the responsibilities that God has given man, mm. and you know, putting. Doug, Doug Wilson says, you know, biblical masculinity, true masculinity is the joyful assumption of sacrificial responsibility. And I would add to that um, what Piper writes in Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. He defines the responsibilities as leadership, protecting and providing, um, he says, for women. But I would say for others as is, as is appropriate for the various relationships. Right. So the way that we lead and protect and provide will look different relationship to relationship because right. we don't have the same responsibilities towards everyone. That's right. Now, this comes up in so many of the topics we touch on. Yes. Right. The the authority and responsibility being connected with each other. Yeah. I, I've been, and these things have been more and more refined in my mind, but basically a covenantal understanding of reality will accept um the res- we'll, we'll see the world through the lens of the responsibilities that we've been given in different relationships, the corresponding authority that comes with that, and the consequences um, that come with either fulfilling that in blessing or neglecting that in, in curses. And um, 
what it means to be faithful as a Christian is to live according to your duties or responsibilities before God to him and to your fellow man and to uh, accept the authority and to submit to the authority as is appropriate and to respond rightly to the consequences of those things. And so I think if we were to talk about, you know, beta males, we first need to, again, what is it? What is a true man? And by that, we don't mean an alpha male in the worldly sense of perhaps athletic uh, dominance. Mm-hmm. You know, an alpha, when people say alpha, they usually mean something to do with dominance. So it could be you're an alpha because you're at the top of the food chain, whether it be physically, uh, whether it be through, you know, your economic status. It could be your ability to take charge of a situation. Yeah. Whether rightfully or wrongfully. Yeah. Um, Strength. Somebody who's assertive. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these things uh, could actually be um, signs of a godly man as well. It's just they, they are not in of themselves or alone indications of godliness. I mean, all of those things, I mean, a terrorist can be all of those things. Sure. You know, a Nazi, um, you know, a communist. So it's like, that is not, we can't define masculinity that way. Um, So if we think about what God called Adam to and calls men to, it begins with leading, protecting, and providing. That he put, he, he created Adam outside the garden and he placed him inside the garden and he placed him there to work and to keep or to provide and to protect is the language basically cultivate to cultivate and uh and to guard what he cultivates and he when i say leader what i mean by that is we have to define this the world understands leadership jesus says is basically domineering the right. gentiles you should not be like the gentiles they lord, lord. it over them and when you talk about men having leadership, often people react because they've adopted a worldly view of leadership and they say, hey, that's not cool. And it's like, well, Jesus said, if any one of you wants to be great, you must be a servant. And the true, um, uh, uh, to be a leader is to be a servant. And so when I say men have a, a responsibility um, to lead, I mean, they have a responsibility to take responsibility um, in the various relationships that they find themselves in. And in Adam, this is obvious. We see this in several ways. Um, he gave Adam authority to name the animals, but also to name Eve. Paul says in Timothy, when he forbids a woman to, from teaching or having authority over a man, he roots that not in some um, cultural context surrounding Ephesus, um, as people of, you know, many people of commented on that, but in creation, for Adam was formed first, and then Eve. And there's something about that, not that Adam is better, man and woman are equal before God, creating his image, equal dignity, equal worth, Uh, but that Adam bears a unique responsibility. And then, of course, we see this confirmed when God comes to the garden after they've sinned, and although Eve was the first one to sin in that sense, he called out to Adam. Uh, where are you? Yeah, And he spoke to Adam because Adam was a covenant head, which means that he had a unique responsibility. And this is something men have to get. It doesn't matter if you don't agree with that. It doesn't matter if you deny that. It doesn't matter if you don't like that. That's the way it is. It's the way it is. It's like a dad A dad yeah. can't say, you know, I'm not really down with all this responsibility stuff. I'm just going to leave my wife and kids. Yeah. No, you we don't all know actually, what that looks like. That's yeah, cowardice and... But it's but your responsibility remains. Yeah, it's just there's an empty seat at the table and you're failing in it. Right. So Adam was responsible, and Paul drives this home. Says through one man sin came, and through um, and and because of sin, death to all men. And he implies that the woman was deceived, but the man wasn't. Yeah, meaning that his sin was greater because he did it willingly. Yes. Yeah, knowingly, yes. And and when God calls him up, look at how he deals with his responsibility. It's actually through blame. Yes. Even though God told Adam that um, it, you can, you know, here's the whole garden. You shall not eat of this tree for the day that you do, you'll die. When he asked Adam what happened, he said, the woman you gave me um, made me do it, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's blaming God 
for giving him the woman. And he's essentially wishing the woman dead. He is resenting and rejecting his responsibility and the consequences. And he's preferring that the consequences for his failure fall on others, which is the antithesis of leadership. Um, Doug Wilson had a really good, um, I watched the video of it the, recently. Yeah, it's responsibility and guilt. That, yeah, yeah, so to that say that good. Adam was responsible, is not to say he's guilty. Um, well, he's not guilty of her sin. He's guilty of his own sin. He's guilty of his own sin. But he's responsible sin. in the same way a general would be responsible for one of his subordinates yes. doing something wrong. Yes. Right. And so central to masculinity is the assumption, the joyful assumption, not bitter with bitterness or resentment or begrudgingly, of sacrificial responsibility. It's costly. Mm. And obviously this is manifest most fully in the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the last Adam who through one man came sin and death, but through another man came righteousness and life. And Jesus Christ took responsibility as the covenant head of a new humanity, not for his own life. He was without sin. He wasn't guilty. But he took responsibility for the sins of his people Mm -hmm. by bearing them on the cross and bearing the consequences of sin is the wrath of God. So Adam shirked his responsibility, and he tried to place the consequences on other people. Jesus bore his responsibility, and he assumed the consequences upon himself for other people's sins and guilt. And so, what what do we mean now when we talk about a beta male? Well, a beta male is someone who resents their responsibilities and tries to, and, and there's a, a number, and this is all of us, like, Every single one of us has to fight every day um, to put this sin to death, the selfishness in us, the desire to to not be responsible, you know? Yeah, and part of the perversion of manhood is maybe recognizing the the role of responsibility, but yet wanting to be served like you're Caesar. You know, you want people to fan you and feed you grapes. You want the authority without the responsibility. That's but a beta male is kind of the same, but just without understanding that there's actual responsibility there. You just you want to play video games. You want, um, you know, you want your wife to go and 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 get a high paying job yeah. so you can just do whatever and fulfill your dreams. Yeah. Right. Rather than um, take take the responsibility so that the family can procreate and yeah. raise children and that yeah. sort of thing. So it manifests in a similar way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what we're seeing in our culture, and the reason this is important, so one, these are the temptations that we will face across cultures, across time. That just part of being a man in a fallen world to being a fallen man is you are in your own sin. Um, you face the temptation, you have the desire to abdicate your responsibility and to wrongfully assume authority yeah. um, that isn't this yours. Is part of the curse. Yes. Right, that the um, the the... Um, what's the wording that the man will um, lord it over the woman essentially? Yeah, yeah, and that she will attempt to take usurp his, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a constant thing now. A power struggle. It's a constant power struggle. Yeah, right? and um, so this is something that's been from from the beginning. But we're in a unique time where there's so much confusion about gender and. It's actually offensive and heterodox or heretical um, to actually suggest that there is a definition to gender, that there are re- unique responsibilities that, you know, Truman talks about it. We talked about it recently, I think, on one of the podcasts is, as expressive individualism is the is the worldview of the day. And it's yeah. the idea that what is real and what is true is what I feel and what I desire right. in my inner self. Yeah. And um, justice means that I am, and freedom means that I am able to express that. Yeah. And oppression and injustice is anything that would prevent that from happening. Right. And going along with this is not only the thought that you can define your own physical nature. Yeah. Uh, but that you can define your own roles and responsibilities. Yeah. So so what they've done is they've, you know, the whole cisgender language is cisgender means your your ident your your gender identity and your and your sex line up. But we want to say, well, as if why do you need a term for that? Well it's as if it's <laughs> it's they're trying to say it's possible that it yeah. doesn't. 
Yeah. And we want to say, no, 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 your gender, there's two genders, there's male and there's female. And um, you don't get to define what you are. But in that worldview, you do get to, and, and you ought to be able to. Yeah. And underneath all of this is a um, an assault on limits, on definitions. It's a desire to be God, that mm-hmm. I can speak into creation what it is, say my pronouns, as if it changes anything. But according to the progressive worldview, words do change reality. Words are power. They they adopted a deified language. Yeah. It's almost like the language that a lot of these faith teachers use, yeah. right? That faith is sort of an entity that you're trying to call up. Yeah. Words of faith, all yeah. this sort of thing. And if you yeah. have enough faith... Speak even, it into existence. They even say that God uses faith when he creates things. He's right. using the power of faith, and it's like the, they're talking about it as if it has being. Yes, yeah, and, and we would say only God creates from nothing. Uh, God is the true creator in that sense, and we imitate him mm-hmm. in our creativity. So, But what you have going on is that there's going to be so much confusion surrounding what is a, a man if you're not even allowed to say a man is objectively something, there's only what you want to be as a man. Yeah. But we want to say, no, 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 no. There is such a thing. God made them uh, male and female and man and woman. And he defines who we are. He defines what our responsibilities are and what our authority is and what the consequences of that, of failing to live up to that are. And uh, man, you're so far behind the times. I mean, the Canadian Parliament just said that whole thing's a myth. So I don't know why yeah. you're still harping on about that. Yeah, and and I think what we need to do is double down and say unapologetically, um, no, this is not only can you define what a man is, and that's not up to us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God has spoken clearly, and so uh, if we're going to talk about beta males tonight, I think. One of the manifestations we see is um, men who are highly resentful towards their responsibilities, who are prone to bitterness for the difficulty in life. I mean, Genesis 3, yeah. God cursed. He cursed the very thing that was our greatest responsibility, did with, did with the men and the women. He cursed childbearing for the women, yeah. and he cursed the ground for men. And it's by the sweat of our brow um, that we will eat, and and our labor of providing now is is cursed, and uh, it's difficult. And you can either accept that in faith and pray for help and work unto the Lord, or you can hate and resent that and spend your life trying to get around the curse with through without faith and repentance, mm-hmm. and that just leads to bitterness, envy. And resentment. Yeah. And a bitter, angry, resentful man is actually a very dangerous man. And uh, in our society's attempts to kind of castrate men, um, they don't actually make them impotent in the way, completely impotent. They make them dangerous in a very different way. It redirects the natural drive that God has given us into wrong places. Yeah. Yeah, to bad places. And, I was uh, thinking um, about some biblical examples of beta males, and uh, when we were talking about this earlier, I was thinking about King Ahaz, mm. uh, and his whole—I mean, his whole life is marked by this. Um, it's a lust for power, uh, but there's also an abdication of responsibility to Jezebel, yeah. who takes over a lot of the uh, a lot of the responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. The whole situation with Naboth's vineyard. Right, he wants something that doesn't belong to him, and so he he's desire yeah he's desiring something that's apart from his authority, right? Mm-hmm. And he does horrible things to to, to gain it. Um, you know, Elijah comes to him and and he blames all of Israel's problems on Elijah, mm-hmm. as if Elijah had something to do with it. But it's actually his failings. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that's set up all the temples to Baal. He's the one that's inciting all this idolatry. Uh, but yet he's blaming it on the person who's calling him out on it. Yeah. Right? Who's Elijah's the real man in this situation. You look at him and you're like, this dude's awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, there's there's other examples like that in scripture. I'm sure we could point to, but I thought Ahaz was a really good one. It'd be good for people to read that story and yeah, kind of see what that abdication of responsibility looks like. Yeah, and and I think a reason it's important for us is there's almost a you see this in the church too. There's a there's a redefining of um, what it means to be a leader and a man, and. Uh, you know, we we talk about the Gelding Coalition a lot. True legends in the game. Oh yeah, <laughs> and but the title is very fitting. And um, you know, we we've this has been around for a while, but there's a I think there's a cultural crisis in the church, and uh, we we do not know what godly masculinity looks like and our views of it are shaped more by the world. Mm. I mean, the, you get academics in there. Academic culture is peak beta male. Uh, they, they don't express themselves directly and they don't stand behind their words. They learn to be passive aggressive, um, which is a very effeminate way of, of expressing aggression. So when you see a guy who's afraid to say his words and to be held accountable for them, um, instead he wants to throw shade, who wants to go on social media, who wants to um, say things in a way that that is a, clearly a criticism or condemnation of others, but in a way that you can't really peg them for, that's peak beta male. That's actually not wanting to take responsibility for your words. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is like... That is academia, right? And it's people pleasing, um, you know, and calling it friendship and uh, flattering and calling it friendship. Um, being divisive is like the Canadian crime. Uh, I was thinking about it today. You know, it's funny that Jesus actually said that he came to divide. Mm-hmm. And because at first I was like, well, you need to, maybe what you think is what you're calling divisive isn't, but then I was like, which is true, but then it's also like, but also not all division is wrong. No. It's a natural (laughs) byproduct of people speaking the truth. Yeah, it's like people were talking about Joe, one of his critics, and who wrote an an article, and he said he's divisive, and I why? Why do you? Yeah, why can that's you just, just a cop out? It just means you're not agreeing with me. Yeah, it, essentially today, I'm like, how can you say that without a qualification? Well, the reason you can is because division in itself is viewed as bad in the church today in Canada. It's like saying love is good. It's like, yeah, what are you loving? Yeah, or or hate. Yeah, we use the word hate. It's like, you know, God tells us to hate things, right? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to hate evil. Yeah, you're supposed to hate, hate evil. Hate your sin. Yeah, so it's like. When yeah. you just say hate, so Christians do the same thing with the word div- divisive right. that the world does with hate. It's just like a, I say it so I establish the moral high ground. Uh, yeah. But godly men actually follow Jesus, and Jesus came to bring a sword. It's And it's, it's um, an attitude that doesn't avoid saying something because you know division will occur. Yeah. Um, and there's a wrong kind of division. Sure, there's people that stir it up on purpose. Yeah, for the end of dividing. Yeah, and that's of course sinful. Yeah, but um, you know you don't have to do much nowadays to be accused of being divisive. All you have to do is preach preach the word. Yeah, and uh, people are going to call you divisive. Yeah, and for these people, being godly means having everyone like you and uh, not offending people. Or at least not offending them. They're happy to throw... The the outside of the cup is clean. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, I mean, I was just reading this week such an encouraging testimony. I would tell tell our uh, 1.2 million viewers and listeners to go to um, Trinity Bible Chapel's website, to their blog, and they just posted um, the closing remarks of their lawyer in their constitutional case. Oh, wow. And it's amazing because this guy says he's not religious. He's not a believer. And he's just basic, basically saying, you know, as somebody who's not religious, these people clearly believe that they answer to a higher judge than this court. And it's been something for me to behold and witness their commitment to their God and the sincerity of their faith. And all I'm hearing is these hyper beta male pastors over the last two years condemning this one church and their pastor, Jacob. 
And all I can think is the reason they're so outspoken against a Christian wanting to go to church, and they're not outspoken against uh, tyranny and evil and oppression, is because they're just trying to defend themselves. They're just trying to defend their rights. What they're trying to do is avoid responsibility. Right. If Pastor Jacob Rayom is right, and that we have a duty before God to keep our churches open and to minister to people. It's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. And they don't want that. And they don't want to have the ire of the world. So they create this language, this moralistic language around it. And this pietistic sounding thing as if, you know, we need to keep a good witness and our cultural capital and all of these things that, that naive and ignorant weasel, people fall for. Weasel words. Weasel words. It's what, it's what Paul condemns. It's practicing cunning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's assuming the moral high ground when you haven't truly earned it. Um, but I just thought, man, how vindicating is that? That the testimony and look, Trinity has baptized so many people. I Have think, you seen some of those videos too of yeah, the baptisms? They're man, incredible. Alive. Like addicts coming in and literally like I think they're using in the church and then they get saved and they're like, If you weren't open, I'd be dead and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, this church has had the, one of the most authentic witnesses to the true Christ of Scripture that I've ever seen. Yeah, and all you can say is, well, your tone is not, you're, you, we just don't like your tone. Yeah. And you're bringing a bad name on us. And yeah. Like, yeah, beta males like to make up their own rules Yeah, um, that they can they can succeed at and look good at. I, and the it, tone police are the, like, when, this when, is a huge sign. There is there is a sense where you could have a wrong tone. But 99% of the time when people use that, what they mean is that you're being too direct. Yeah. And... I don't know. The beta male in me doesn't want to be direct sometimes. Yeah. Right. You want to do what you said. You want to hedge your hedge your bet and and use words so that you can back out. Yeah. Uh, if if somebody calls you on something, you can back out of it. Uh, that's just that's all that is. Yeah. It's just accusing somebody of being too direct. Yeah. Yeah. And the danger. I mean, when we have the Bible has a lot to say about speech, but one of the first principles we should recognize. When someone says that's a wrong way to speak, they're almost certainly being legalistic because the Bible actually gives us, there's almost no way you can't speak in the Bible ever. Um, Given but the there's right circumstances. Circumstances yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, in every circumstance, there's wrong ways to speak, but there's almost no speech that is always wrong. Um, so, so there is some there there is there is an, a hard attitude that is always wrong, uh, but the problem with the the speech police is that it doesn't take into account this, the variety of scripture, and uh, if we were to I mean there's things that I would feel uncomfortable reading on air, um, or or preaching from the pulpit. You know what I mean? Like there's things in Amos that I'm just like, all right, well. He yeah. said that. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I throw my shoe. <laughs> oh, that's that's tame. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking more about Egyptians. and. Oh, yeah, you talk about dashing so they, they're, they're and, just yeah. There's just graphic um, things that God says to his people that would be wholly inappropriate in some right, circumstances, right, right. is what I'm saying. So you, you basically need to know, well, what is the circumstance? Um, and... I've said to people who criticize me, like, you need to determine whether the circumstances surrounding what I'm saying are are what I say it is or not. Like, if you, if I'm saying the house is on fire, you need to get out. Um, Get out now. Don't yell at me. Yeah. Why are you yelling? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, (laughs) if I just walked home after work and started yelling at my kids to get out of the house in the same manner, it'd clearly be sinful. Yeah. But it's not if the house is on fire. So, and the, and the biggest problem is these kind of speech laws would condemn the sinless Son of God, you know? And uh, that's a very dangerous game. But whenever you see people playing those games, there's a, there's a defensiveness and there's an avoidance of responsibility. And the scary thing is in the church, it's masked in a fake kind of piety of not right. being quarrelsome, of... Uh, you know, being a nice guy, being kind, being gentle. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. Um, there seems to be also, um, 
uh, taking taking the the idea of servant leadership to an extreme, yeah, where you're actually not leading anymore. No, you're a wet you're just, Yeah, you're just a servant who slave leadership. Yeah, <laughs> and Le- not the good leading kind. from behind. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, leading from behind. <laughs> the shield maiden. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. It, the, the idea of servant leadership has, has been huge in the last however many decades. But you're right, it can be caricatured with a kind of egalitarian spirit. Yeah. Where really what it means is a guy who is never assertive, never takes initiative, never really knows anything for certain, always defers to his wife in everything and in every way. And uh, one, if, if your wife wants someone like that, which I would think most women don't if she did though she's not a good woman a kind of woman who wants a pathetic excuse for a man is just not a very godly woman and i would say most people actually don't want a pathetic excuse of a man or or what they'll do is they'll want it when they want to get some you know right when they want to rule the roost they don't want it when their kids are insane because dad's a little wet noodle or they don't want it when you know, you expect him to step up and provide uh, and to protect and to take initiative, and he'd rather not. It's like, well, what do you want? You know, you can't say, I want you to abdicate all responsibility when I tell you, but I want you to step up over mm-hmm. here. And maybe that's a, that's something for the women to think about who listen to this. It's like, yeah, I love the idea of biblical manhood, but do you? <laughs> right? Do you? Because that actually means giving room for a man to lead. And one of the things I, you know, we get this all the time in marriage counseling. It's like, well, how do I respect him if he's just not respectable? It's like, well, he has to love you when you're not lovely. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's like, why why do we think that, you know, that, that respect is something that you can't give? Um, as one woman says, I think it's Nancy Wilson, you can salute the uniform. That's a helpful analogy. Yeah. And uh, actually, men are really encouraged to step up when you give them space to do it. Are guys going to fail? Absolutely. Mm. Um, but part of growth is accepting the responsibility for that failure, mm. not protecting men from it. What I've heard Doug Wilson say this a couple times recently. Something along, along the lines of authority flows to leadership or to those who take responsibility to take responsibility yeah and that's a good principle it is it's like when you step up to to do what you're actually created to do yeah people will follow you they will yeah and they'll they'll there's an authority they won't won't regret they won't um um resent you for it no and did you did you send me something today about this about how yeah the the eric khan Quote? Yeah, like yeah. basically there's a huge opportunity for men and that if our world is in a crisis of masculine responsibility, the men who actually step up and take responsibility, even at great cost to themselves, will people will flock to them. Yeah, uh, I'll just read this actually. This yeah. is a, a tweet from a guy named Eric Kahn who has a podcast called The Hard Men Podcast. It's a good one. I highly recommend it. So he says, as masculinity continues to nosedive culturally, here's the good news. Any man who endeavors to live as a responsible, courageous, masculine man will be absolutely magnetic. Men and women will flock to him. In chaos, men comes opportunity. Yeah. You know the other encouraging thing about defining masculinity by our responsibilities to lead, protect, and provide? It means every man can be a godly man. Yeah. It's not if you're the most athletic, if yes. you're the smartest, if you're the most uh, shrewd businessman, if you're the wealthiest, if you, all of these other kind of markers that we that we you know tip, that we tend to hang our hat on. It's like no matter what you are and what you do, yeah. you can be a leader by taking initiative and responsibility. Um, you can be the first in, last out kind of guy, and you can Give yourself and the protection, the provision of others. But you don't have to have the worldly standard of of the alpha male that we were talking about no. earlier. You don't have to be the athlete, the muscular no. guy. Like, you know, you just have to be willing and able to take the responsibility. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And I and I would I was thinking about this, like at the same time I mean it's good to know how to change a tire. You it really is. should know how to 
change the oil in your car and change the tire and fix the lawnmower and stuff like that. I can't, all, I can't do a couple of those. That's things. all okay. stuff you can learn though. If you're willing to put your hand to it. Yeah. Well then why don't we get, some, why don't we get a little bit more practical here? Because okay. Cause part- who, who kills the spiders in the house? That's the question. That's what we got to get down okay, to. Okay, I, I will deal with the spiders. <laughs> I struggle with the bats. Oh, really? Yeah. I was trying to catch a bat last night. Were you? Yeah, I, I had eyes on them too, but they just get up behind my heating vents and I can't get my hand up. Yeah. There. So one of the other problems <sighs> is a kind of dualism or a Gnosticism whereby we, we separate who we are from what we do. And so we'll say, look, if a man, you don't have to be the strongest guy to be a, to be a godly man, strength doesn't matter. Right? It's like, that's, well... That's not the implication. No, that's not the right implication. Yeah. So Paul actually says in Corinthians, be strong and courageous. Right. And some translations say act like men. Yeah. And gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Um, but but basically, there's, there is to protect and to provide and to, to lead, you need strength. Yeah. Now, men are biologically stronger that's just a fact um and it's it's we're designed this way because we have responsibilities that do require physical strength now yeah. the problem in our culture is a lot of us don't actually feel the weight of that we don't work in fields we we have knowledge based professions or otherwise um very few of us need to learn the same practical skills we we are removed from even survival uh, necessities. Yeah, I go. I go to my house and I go like this. Click, and I can have the temperature in my home to the nearest degree. Like I open a door and there's food waiting for me. Yeah, and it can be there for weeks. Yeah. So so I don't have to grow it. I don't. No, I wouldn't know how to grow it. <laughs> no. So those. So there's a kind of uh, atrophy that takes place, yeah. not only in our physical strength. But in the skills, and I would even the risk that we must take, and part of the reason we have so many beta males is there's a genuine fear of failure, and there's a fear of risk. So you condition yourself your whole life to avoid those risks, and one way you do that is you 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 avoid the responsibilities. It's like I'm not responsible for that. I don't have to go to class. Mm-hmm. I don't have to learn and grow and change. I don't need to get a job. I don't need to. Um, love a woman. I don't need kids till I'm 60. Like we, we, we put off and put off and put off. Well, that wasn't possible for people until very recently. So I think part of our, our growth as men, but even development, the, the, the discipleship of the next generation is to get men involved in things, uh, in uh, basically getting under a heavy load. Okay. If, if you, We'll never have to do anything that requires strength. Do things that require strength, whether it's weight training, you know, barbell training, whether it's sports, whether it's physical labor, you know, around your house or, or There's something. There's always something to improve or fix. There's always something. Just do something that requires strength because it's not good to, to, um, to never bear that weight. It's yeah. not good. And it's never been easier to learn how to do stuff. Right. Too. I don't right. know. You guys probably use YouTube. I use YouTube all the time. When huh. I, I did some tiling in the bathroom a couple months back. Never done any tiling before, um, like floor tiling. So I just watched videos and it turned out all right. Yeah. You know, not great, but yeah, not bad. One of the greatest obstacles I have as a man is definitely the fear of failure. So like my faucet right now, I need to replace. We haven't had it. We haven't had water upstairs for months. And I called, I called the local Norm's Cash and Carry, and he's like, "Well, bring in the uh, the old cartridge, the cartridge." And I'm like, you can "Get it? Oh, minutes. definitely. I'll definitely have that to you, Google. <laughs> what is a cartridge? Yes. And and I'm looking at pictures of it, and I'm like, How do you is it get a single this? single knob, or do you got the two knobs? No, two. It's like one knob that goes from shower to bath, and then a little knob that does the temperature. Gotcha. And I'm like, I have no idea how to get this off. And then part of me is like, I should just call Tristan or something because he can do everything. And then the other part of me is like, yeah, I should probably just get a screwdriver and try to figure this one out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to try and do that. I'll give but you it's, some tips offline. Yeah, <laughs> I got yeah. to do, do mine too. Oh, okay, I've been putting it off. Like you know, there's a dead spot in it. It's like you go. It's yes, 
Warmer, warmer, warmer. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a cartridge, apparently. Yeah, it is. So there, there, there's this, like, even in me, but the, the fear is not, it's not even that I'm lazy. I am lazy. I struggle with laziness, um, slothfulness. But it's actually, what if it goes wrong? You know, and what I learned, my brother is great this way. So I have a twin and we are so different. Um, and he's a heavy equipment technician and he's been, a, he went in, in high school, he re, he literally rebuilt a truck. When I say that, I mean, it was down to the chassis. There was only a chassis and he put everything on it. He bought a cab for it, you know, put the engine in. He took the, he, he put the plastic and the wiring in the interior. Like it was crazy. And I always thought, I'm like, how did you do that? And um, even I ask him now and he's just like, well, there's tons of times I have no idea. In fact, most of the time I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just actually willing to do it. Yeah. Like I'm willing to take this apart and not know how to put it together. That's my job. And go through the process. (laughs) Yeah. But people who work with their hands have to do that. And it's like, it's not just that it's, you know way more. It's there's kind of panic sometimes too, you know? Do you like, feel that? Well, not so much now that I've been at this job for a while, but uh, when I first started at this job, a lot of the equipment I was working on was more technical than I was used to. Right. And they would just send you to some high pressure job. You know, five guys had been there before you and couldn't figure it out. Wow. And I've never seen this piece of equipment before in my life. Yeah. And it's like, all right, fix it. And you're like, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And you just... Yeah, get the manual out and yeah, look at wiring diagrams. Anyway, it's you just you just do it. You have to you have to set aside the thought I can't do this. Yes, or what'll happen if I don't? You have to actually just set that aside and push through it. And 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 I find that and the way men are treated in school too. There's a whole conversation we can have about boys in school and not our education system is not geared towards understanding how boys learn, how they're different from girls. And it's kind of boys learn from an early age that they're just failures because they don't fit into an effeminate system that encourages, you know, docility and and things that men would struggle with. And so they just assume I'm just a failure. You know, I just can't do this. And uh, I know for me, it was good working construction a couple of years ago. I literally would like we were installing playground equipment and I helped my brother and his boss out, and it turned into like a summer gig and and. What was so satisfying, which I don't often experience in my line of work in ministry, is you go to work and there's nothing, and you leave work and there's something. Yeah. Because with people, it could be, you, well, you don't see the fruit often, or it's a longer process or whatever. Yeah. And that's fine. But to go in and say, um, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how we're going to get from nothing to this thing. In my day, that's not what you think about. It. You just look at the instructions and you get your tools and you ask your coworkers and you ask your boss and you just think about it and you just do it the whole and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. And somehow at the end of the day, you know things you didn't know in the morning. Yeah. You succeeded where you and and mm-hmm. like that's a rewarding thing. And you have to be okay with failing. Yeah. And it's like we're for some reason And most of the stuff you fail at you can undo. And then yeah. do it right the next time. Yeah. Uh, there's so many great channels on YouTube of people like building stuff, uh, whether it's um, there's this one channel where they build like uh, off grid cabins, just yeah. like tiny little one room, like, you know, seven by 12 cabin or yeah. something like that. And you watch this and they, they speed it up, but it's like an hour long video start to finish. Yeah. And as you're watching it, you're like, I can do everything. All of these different steps. If you just break it into that one step, I can do that. Right. I can do that. I can do that. There's nothing in there that I don't know how to do or couldn't yeah. figure out quickly. Yeah. And But it's just when you're looking at the whole thing, it's overwhelming. So I don't know if that's what you're talking about, the difference of uh, boys and girls, how they would learn. If it's uh, more of a granular, like I just need to focus on this one thing for right. longer. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot. But I find, yeah, the fear of failure is a real inhibitor to growth, especially as a man, mm-hmm. because the task that you've been given, we've been given by God, requires risk. And and there's a there's a from pursuing a woman, you could be rejected um, to raising children. You're dealing with not only their sin, your sin. Um, 
to going and, and taking responsibility to provide. I mean, you're going to have to take a job that you don't know everything in, that there's a real risk that you will fail in that. And if if you don't deal with that by the grace of God, um, you, you, you will find ourselves av- avoiding those things is where I'm driving at. Right. And if you live years of avoiding responsibility because your fear of failure, your fear of rejection, these type of things, um, you begin to resent responsibility itself because every responsibility brings with it a risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a, that's a dangerous thing. And I find we're in a cultural crisis of this. It's like we, it, it's like wrong for us to fail. When do our politicians ever say sorry? Like, or, or even just I learned something. Like I used to think this was the way to go, and now I think we should go here because I learned this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everyone has to be set in their tracks, or they'll be crucified. You know, and yeah. and it's like no, it's okay. It's okay to fail as long as you're doing so along the path of obedience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, don't be a beta male. Yeah, and we need to put that. To yeah, death. Jared, don't be a beta male. Stop. And <laughs> mortify the inner beta male every day. Yeah. So, I mean, practically, what does that mean? How do we do that? We need to know our responsibilities, right? And uh, so, read your Bible and say, God, what? How? How have you called me to lead? What are the relationships in my life? If I'm a man in a church. Don't be the guy who's been in church for five years and you show up and you leave, right? If, if you are a Christian man, you ought to be taking initiative. Um, not like on a Sunday, maybe they need help. Maybe they need ushers. Maybe they need people to maybe go welcome people. You know, if you're yeah. a Christian man and you see someone who's new, go say hi to them. You know, find pr- out who's lonely. Find out who's Contact lonely. Contact them. Find yeah. out what the needs are in the yeah. congregation. And uh, shouldn't be the women. Pro tip: there are always needs. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know. Classic, eh? Oh, I wasn't aware. It's like because you didn't look, because you didn't want to know. It doesn't take long to find no people in need or situations that need some work, especially uh, when you when your church owns a building or something. There's always something to do. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, fixing a light switch, whatever it is. There's always something to do. Yeah. And your pastor would appreciate it oh, very yeah. much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah. I'm glad we sorted this out. Well, I'm glad that we can put it to death now, Jerry. I think I think next week I can finally introduce myself as the alpha host. <laughs> and then we can fight about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what are you uh, what are you reading this week? You done uh, you done the space trilogy yet? No, I'm not done that. I'm doing some reading for my sermon series. Um, Biblical manhood and womanhood is an edited work. It's a classic. I don't know when the first edition was in the '90s. And uh, Piper and Grudem, yeah, yeah, Piper and Grudem edited it. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I've heard that Piper has said. That if somebody was breaking into his house at night, he would not defend. Is that just a misquote that he wouldn't defend his family? Like, what's what was the context of that? I would have to read the quote. It's yeah. sparking. Uh, I've I've heard a people memory. say that, and I'm like, that doesn't sound like something somebody would say. Well, someone who would say, you know, we are called to turn the cheek, um, which we are. Um, then, then if someone <laughs> even broke into my home, it's wrong for a Christian to respond with force. The problem with that, it's a simple... There's a hierarchy of responsibility. Well, the responsibility is not just to yourself. Right. Um, You have a responsibility also to your family. If you have a wife, if you have children, there are people who God has ordained that you protect. So by all means, if someone breaks into your house, turn your cheek and give them your cloak... Um, I actually don't think you are required to do that in every instance. I think no, self-defense is fine. The but biblical even, case law is clear about when it, when you're able, when you're allowed to defend yourself. Yeah, Jesus told the disciples to take a sword with them at times. Like just you know, again, another pro tip. We got a lot of these on here. By yeah, the way, pro tips. Pro tip: <laughs> a sword is not for cutting his food. Right. Okay. We should we call it a bro tip? <laughs> bro tip. Bro tip. <laughs> um, so there are instances, but I would I would say even if we set aside self defense, um, you definitely are responsible to defend your family, 
And so a lot of the times the, the pacifist position just fails to understand that we're not just talking about our individual responsibility to defend ourselves, whether or not that's real, it's about whether there's a responsibility to defend other people. Right. And it's not actually loving um, to not, to, to, to not, we're called to lay our lives down for other people. Um, you know, laying down in front of someone who's threatening harm against others is just, is actually just cowardly, um, you know, or, or very ignorant, you know, someone, I think people sincerely make bad decisions. So, yeah. So you need to know your responsibilities. Yeah. And and we've been hammering this on the podcast. Like, what is your responsibility as a Christian? But then as a father, if you are one, as a brother, as a, as a husband, as yeah. a church member, as a what? A citizen. A citizen. Yeah. And it's it, it depends. Like the scriptures have different things to say about all of those. Yeah. So, and, and we tend to not even think this way. So there's a huge shift that has to take place. So that's a good book, though. The um, uh, what's it called? Rediscovering. Yeah, Medical it's Man a or... classic, and it's a classic for a reason. I'm reading Kostenberger's book. Um, I have God, Marriage, and Family, but I'm reading a smaller. It's not the same thing. There's a lot of repeated content. Um, and Kevin DeYoung wrote a good book on uh, men and women in the church. Hmm. Recently, it's very good. Nice. Classic to young. So nice. yeah, that's that's what I'm immersed in for our sermon series, and it's been nice. good. I just uh, finally started uh, Kingdom Through Covenant. Nice. Today. Uh, as well, I got an audio version of The City of God. Great. Augustine. Augustine. It's like 46 hours long. It's huge. Wow. But right away, I was uh, just enthralled with it. Like he's he's defending arguments and stuff, and you wouldn't think it would be relevant. Yeah. But you're listening to these arguments like this is all relevant oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. So, and um, the Kingdom of the Covenant, Covenant, I'm only about eight pages in, but it's, okay. it's good so far. Oh, yeah. Um, I like just the defining the terms. I I really want to like the book. Yeah. Uh, so. That's great, because yeah. I really want to like you. <laughs> I know. Uh, and you won't like me until I proclaim my eschatology. Is that what you're saying? I mean... We'll start with hermeneutics. You know what I mean. Everybody wants to start with hermeneutics. I know they say and then everybody that. says they have the same hermeneutic, and then they come up with something different at the end. So yeah, they they definitely somebody's don't. not using the same hermeneutic. I would agree. Yeah. Well, I hope I look forward to getting to that section of the book. Good. So, but for uh, for now, here at Dominion Podcast, I'll leave you with this. As I hit the sound effect. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. 